Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you. I'm glad that, that you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Um, this is an exciting week at Mariners just because tomorrow morning at this time, this place will be um, crawling with a bunch of children, and those kids are going to hear some for the very first time uh, how much God loves them. And, and for some, they've never heard that message before. So it's, it's a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful week. The next two weeks are going to be. And, so, um, and that's because, because God's placed us here, and that's an exciting, it's an exciting thing. We are in a series that uh, we are calling um, It's Better. And, and when I think of better, I, I think um, of, of better, you know? Now, better is just simply what? Better. Better is better. I mean, when you have something that's better, it's better than what you had before. A better seat is better. You know, better coffee is what? It's, it's better, right. Better job is better. Better grades are better. Better car is better. A better fly rod is expensive expensive very very expensive but it's but it's going to be it's going to be better and if we're going to talk about better really what we have to do is we have to know what better is better than if god is going to bring us things better or if we are to live life better well, we need to know what better is better than back in jesus day there were all kinds of religious things that were going on in fact the whole place was really thick with religion. Religion was just pretty much everywhere. There were sacred holy places. There were sacred holy texts. There were sacred holy rituals. Sacred holy men that would walk around in sacred holy robes. They always had rules on on how to wash and what to wear and what to eat and when to do this and when to do that. It was really filled with religious duties and routines and rituals. Now, I'm not a fan, by the way, of religion. I don't like it. Um, religion, to me, is a, is a binding thing. It's filled with too much, I guess, stuff that seems to squelch the freedom that I would oftentimes believe God would want for our lives. For instance, um, if you are cut in religion, religion says something like this. You know what? Um, I feel more guilty about missing church than I do about hating the guy next door. If you're into that kind of a thing, you're into now religion. Or if I think that by going to church or a church service or doing some ritual will get me right with God, I'm stuck now in that old religious routine, that old religious pattern. And for me, I don't find life there. I don't find freedom there. I don't find grace there. I find a lot of rituals and I find a lot of of rules. And when Jesus came, he said, I want to make things new. I want to make things better than what you've been able to than what you've been experiencing. And so Jesus gives us actually a new and better way of looking at things and a new and way, a new and better way of looking at life and how to live that life. And he wants us to have a relationship with God that's living and experiential, not caught up in buildings and rituals and routine. And this is why the Bible would say very clearly it is for freedom that Christ has set us what? It set us free. We're free from that kind of stuff. And that changes everything. Now, now this morning we're going to look, be looking at and regarding the better, we're going to be looking at better giving, better giving. And some of you are thinking, oh, great, you know, I finally decided to go to church and now I'm going to get hit with a message on giving, you know. But that's okay. Come back next week. We're going to look at better sex. So just come back next week and everything. We'll make up for, we'll make up for this one. <laughs> Now, 
as, as, we, as we start to move into thinking about better giving, what we have to do is, is we have to address kind of the one question that most of us have whenever the issue of giving around a place like this comes up, okay? Because there's one question that most of us have whenever giving in, in, in church comes up. And the question is this, how much should I be giving to God, okay? How much should I be giving to God? Have you ever asked that question? You know, how much? How much? Because no matter what you put on your check or in that little no thing which you write for, for your, for your e-giving or how much you pull out of your wallet, your question is always, I'm not sure this is what? Enough. Am I giving enough? Am I giving right? Is this as much as I should be giving? Should I be giving more? And it becomes kind of a really uncomfortable sore spot with a lot of people. Not having a convincing feel of what they're giving is right. Now, there's a really interesting situation that happened in Jesus' life. Jesus and his disciples were actually in the temple, big religious place, okay? And, and they're seated there, and they are people watching. And it says this, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Okay, they're watching all this going on here. Rich people are coming up, and they're putting in large amounts. And here comes the story familiar to us. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins, just two, two small coins. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Now how do you feel about how much you give in the offering bucket? And we begin to think, oh, wow, you know, Jesus notices those kinds of things. A little bit earlier on, Jesus would say this, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And now we're saying, well, maybe that was for that time. Maybe that was for that place. But it seems that Jesus is commending all, everything to him. So now let's go back to that question, remember it? How much should I be giving to God? How much should I be giving to God? And a lot of us, again, have this sneaking suspicion that God wants what? More. God wants more of what I'm giving. And, and, and we say, well, God, okay, um, it would really help if you'd give me a number, you know? Give me a number, God, and, and, and that way I can give that number and I'll be fine. Just make it simple. Give me a number. May it just appear on my computer screen or may it just simply kind of float from the sky. That's the number I'm supposed to give and I'll, I'll give it. God doesn't do that. It doesn't come that way. It doesn't work that way. God, give me a number so I can give that and not have to think about it. But that now when we start looking at those kinds of things, we're now getting trapped back into the whole religion thing. And in religious giving, I start asking questions like, well, what percentage does God want? What percentage does God want? Or, or does God want that percentage before taxes or what? 
after taxes, you know? Should I give that percentage before taxes or after taxes? Or if I donate items to day camp, does that count, you know, so I could put less in the bucket? You know, since I'm putting so much in for day camp, can I just give less into the bucket there? Or if I donate my time, does that count? Or if I donate, if I donate money to my kid's booster fund at school, does that count? Or it kind of moves into the fact that I never think I give enough, so I have guilt. And so we just sang, sang about, you know, God's incredible grace and the freedom we have in Christ and all of that. And all of a sudden when it comes down to this money thing, there's a lot of times confusion. There's a lot of times guilt. There's a lot of times frustration. There's a lot of times I don't know what to do with this. And I can tell by a lot of looks on your faces, you're either thinking, oh, great, I don't want to have to survive this message. Or I understand giving can be a really hard thing. And it can be. Because it's a touchy thing. Because we live in an expensive place. And your income may not be what you wish it could be. And you're thinking about retirement. And you're thinking about the future. And you're thinking about, holy cow, what am I supposed to do now with this whole thing? Where, where, what do I do? What do I do? And it becomes a big old hassle thing. Jesus came for better. Last week we talked about how to make, how, how we should be loving better. And we're going to talk about now how to give better. And better is not just simply more. It's a whole different way of looking at things. The Bible says this. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, brand new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, that's not a cliche. That is actually an internal spiritual change that happens when Christ comes into your life. And if you need an explanation about that, we'd love to spend a few minutes talking to you about that after the service. You have questions about the whole new life that Jesus gives to us. But in Christ, everything is new. Everything. Everything becomes new. We love. Why do we love people? Well, not because there's a religious law that says you're supposed to love people. We love because love is now alive in our hearts and in our lives. It's a natural part of who we are. It's just simply what we do. Love is just simply a natural outflow of becoming a new creation in Christ. That's what we do. Joy is not something we have to try and manufacture. The Bible would say very clearly, joy is just simply a natural reaction, a natural response to understanding God's complete control over every detail of our lives. So we become joyful people like this. I don't love because of a command, because I'm in Christ. I give. We give. Why? Not because of religion or a number, but because God makes a change in our lives and we become giving people. Does that make sense? You follow that? There's a whole new change in us. And if we start now having to calculate numbers out on that, then we all of a sudden we're starting to move back into that whole thing of religion. And if we try and look for passages and scriptures to try and justify giving this much or not that much, then we're going back into the whole religious system that we are freed from. We give because we're giving people. Not because of a command any any longer. Have you ever been part of a cause? I mean, no one's going to raise their hand on that one. So I would say, you know, maybe maybe you, you get on the little league board, you know, for your kids' little league, and 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 you get kind of into it. You know, you got to figure out who's going to sign up for the snack bar and 
umpires and tournaments and all that kind of stuff. Or may, maybe some of you are interested in environmental causes. You know, you promote Earth Day or you promote, you know, beach cleanup or things like that. And you get into it or, or you know, friends of the library or, or this or that. We kind of get into those kinds of things. And when you get into those kinds of, of things, really the more you're committed to it, the more a part of it you become, don't you? The more a part of it you become. You start thinking that way. That's just simply now more incorporated into your life, those kinds of things. The Bible says this, as in talking about our whole new relationship with Christ. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Isn't that cool? You know, reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then it says this, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the cause. All of us now are involved in that cause. That's, that's our, our cause. And giving, it's our reason for living. It's for our purpose, and we give for that. And, 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 I, and I honestly believe that those statements that Jesus makes about giving everything and selling everything, they make no sense to us unless we understand the incredible calling we have for this whole thing that God is doing in this world of reconciling the world back to Christ or bringing the world back to Christ. All of a sudden, it becomes a guilt-producing thing instead of an inspiring thing. It should inspire us to say, everything that I am is now for Christ. I guess it's really not how much am I supposed to give. It's how much do I really want to live and how much do I want to be part of the thing that brings life to other people. And so it's a life where all I am and all I have is open to God and to God's, God's use and to what God would want. Last weekend, I was uh, with my family, and um, we were driving back. We went whitewater rafting, a lot of fun. And we were coming back through the Central Valley, okay? Now, now going through the Sacramento area in July, um, you will experience heat like you could never imagine. I mean, it was 180 degrees, honestly. It really was. And it was incredibly hot. And anyway, we're, we're, we're driving back, and we were in, I think, Rockland. You know, Rockland. You know, Rockland is. We were in Rockland, and that was 182. I'm sure it was. And 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 I needed to get gas, and and so I was going to pay for cash. And so I, you know, I, I I parked the car in the shade so my family wouldn't die. You know, and I, and I and I walked in. You know, and 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 I and I had my money in my hand. Now now uh, um, I've I've I've. This is not my first rodeo for paying for this. I know it takes about 10 seconds, okay? So I'm figuring my family can survive for me to pay for gas and come back out again. So I get in, and there's two people in line in front of me. Actually, three. There's two ladies and a guy. And I'm hoping it would go fast because it's hot outside. And so, so I'm, I'm standing there, and the two ladies in front of me, I noticed what they had put on the counter. They had put two cases of beer and a couple cartons of cigarettes on there. And I'm thinking, okay, let's get this transaction taken care of quickly. But the problem is, is they began to argue about who's going to pay for it, you know, back and forth. And who paid for the big beer and cigarettes the last time and who's going to pay for it this time. So finally, one lady, one lady says, okay, okay, I'll pay this time. So the lady said, so you're going to pay? And she went back and got another case of beer. So anyway, <laughs> you know, and you're standing there helpless because there's one guy in line. I'm thinking, well, this, this other guy in front of me, he can't take any time at all because he has absolutely no products to purchase. So he's paying for gas just like me. He's buying lotto tickets, okay? 
Now, have you ever stood behind somebody that's buying lottery tickets? They can't make a decision. They can't decide on what they want to lose their money on, you know, as they look at this. Should I get the red one? And, and what, what grabbed me and what caught me was the expression on his face. The expression on his face was one of absolute delight. He's going to drop 50 or 60 bucks, and he did, on something that will never pay off for him. But he was enjoying life to the fullest for what? Nothing. Nothing. And as I, I went back out to my car, you know, which actually um, my family had left me there um, by that time, um, I began to think it, it through how he gave so gladly and so cheerfully for something he'll never win. He'll never get back. There's another group of, of people um, these people don't live in Rockland. They live in a depressed area. They're hard hit by problems. They don't have much at all. I mean, not much at all. It's a church, um, a group of churches, actually. And um, they have every reason, because of their financial hardship and situation, not to give. Every reason not to give. Every reason you could think of. And they're described in the Bible. Um, um, we don't know their names, but we know their action. It's interesting, and it says this, as Paul describes them or talks about their actions. He says this, they gave as much as they were able. They gave even beyond their ability. Can you imagine that? Even beyond their ability. Entirely on their, on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this, servants, in this service to the saints. Who does that? Who does that? Who, when they don't have enough money, has to be told, you, you, you can't give that much. You know, you need to slow down on this giving. You can't afford this, you know. It goes on and says this. They're being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. Very poor. But they are also filled with an abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. Who does that? Who does that? It's like they didn't even consider their own situations. They just considered God's opportunity and what God is doing. And they did what? They gave. And Paul had to keep saying, time out. Stop that. Stop that. You're giving too much. They were tested by troubles, broken garage doors, car repairs. Kids needed braces. Rent was increasing. And they gave. And they were filled in the midst of all this with what? Joy. Joy. Not at a lottery ticket that will pay off zero, but an investment that will change the world. How can they have that kind of joy? It says this. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Number one, they gave themselves to God, a commitment to God. And that's where it all comes together. Second, they gave themselves to ministry, and the th result was joy. Joy. Um, any of you ever hear of the word tithing? Ever hear tithing, tithing. You know, that's a church word. It's a religious word. Um, tithing is a word that's not mentioned in the New Testament. It doesn't talk about tithing. Because when God says 
now the Old Testament system was tithing. I think, well, the Old Testament system was simple. All I had to give was 10%. Actually, if you add up all the numbers you had to give in the Old Testament, if you were living back in those days, it was more like 33%. Okay, 33%. But God said, I will take care of you. Don't worry. I will take care of you. I will take care of you. In the New Testament, it says that we're in Christ. We're new creatures. We no longer give 10%. We give what percent? 100%. It's who we are. Remember, we are giving people. God doesn't want 10%. He wants 100%. He wants it all. Because he wants you. I really want to be done with tithing. And I know some people say, well, I like tithing. It makes it easy. I'm not convinced giving should be easy. Okay? Heck, 1% is easy. 100% is even easier to write down. Do you follow where it's going here? Giving is not supposed to be easy, just like loving is not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be that which we stand before God and we say, God, how have you blessed me? How can I live my life now in complete reflection of your love for me? How can I now take those resources you've given me and invest them back into that which you're doing in the world, which I'm called to be? That's what giving is supposed to be all about. So back to the question, how much should I give? I think religion asks that question. We're part of the most important thing in the world, reconciling the world back to Christ. Great verse, it says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I've seen that happen again and again and again in the lives of people. They've sown sparingly, and they've said, I'm wondering why God just doesn't open them up my life. The Bible promises the more you give, the more he's going to make you able to give more. Now, I'm not doing a you give, you're going to get rich. The widow, when she went home and gave her last two coins, guess how much she had at home? She had two coins less than when she started. Do we know if all of a sudden she got an abundant inheritance? We have no idea. That's not the point. The point is we give. But then it goes on to say this. Each person should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So back to that question on better giving. Better giving is not 10%. It's not 9%. It's not 12%. Better giving is when we go to God individually and say, God, God, my whole life is now lived by you, for you, from you. It exists because of you. This is now who I am. And you are involved in this whole ministry of reconciliation. And because you're involved in that, I'm involved too. And therefore, the reason you have supplied me and resourced me is to make it happen. So work in me. Work through me. God, what should I give this week? And what should I give and when the next week comes along, it's what should I give that week? And then you give. You give cheerfully because that's what God would want. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up now. In a few seconds, and this sounds horrible. You know what we're going to do? We're going to pass the bucket, okay, after giving this message. And you're going to think, ah, great, you know, you know, eh? No, I didn't do this to manipulate you whatsoever. 
What you give is between you and God. It's not me. I don't see who gives what. I don't see. I have no idea who does. Um, and in fact, I don't want you to all of a sudden say, well, heck, in order to get rid of the guilt that I'm now feeling, I better give a whole lot more. You know, don't do that. Go home. Take time with God and say, God, what is it that you want me to, to do, to be? How do you want me to live? Because when you can understand how God wants you to live, then you'll understand how God wants you to what? Wants to give. And that's so cool. What you give goes for good things. Um, it does. We exist in this community. Our best purpose in the world is to connect people with God. And for some reason, God has grown this church up in a great way. And we have the capacity to reach a lot of people for Christ. And we're never going to stop, ever going to stop. And that's why we're here. That's why we have the stage decorated so nuttily like it, like it is. That's why we're going to have this place crawling with a whole bunch of kids. That's why we're going to work to reach their families so their families could come and find out about a God who loves them and the freedom they have in Christ. Thank you for being part of today. If you have questions about faith, about grace, about this God that we talk about, how we can be cheerful and joyful in the midst of all the craziness that's going on, we'd love to talk to you about that. If you need someone to pray with you or for you, we have over there our prayer room, and there are terrific people that are there, and they will be praying with you, and, and you can just sit with them, share your burdens, whatever you'd like. We hang around here, and so talk to us afterwards as well. But thank you guys for coming. Again, come back next week. You'll hear a message on better... <clears throat> Whatever. Okay, so we're going to be, we will be passing the buckets around. I'm going to invite you to stand, finish with a final song. God bless you guys. Love you. Enjoy your day. <laughs>